Welcome to the Hot Mama Movement, a podcast for moms who want to get their shit together with health, relationships, finances, work, and anything else life throws at them. For moms who like to have fun, want to know they're not alone, want to be better, want to do better, and want to grow as a person, not just as a mom. I'm your host, Tatiana Amico, mom of two, a certified health coach and successful entrepreneur. I've worked with hundreds of moms and helped them realize the importance of taking care of themselves, realize their worth, and their desires. If you're ready to stop feeling stuck and want to start living a more confident, fulfilling, energy-filled life with your kids, this is for you. Let's do this. Welcome to episode number 11 of the Hot Mama Movement. This week, I'm interviewing Allison Ford, who is a writer, speaker, and coach that has been working with children of all ages for the past 17 years. She began this journey as a teen mentor, coach, and tutor, volunteering five days a week throughout her high school and college years. Naturally, she became an educator, teaching advanced placement language and composition and English honors at the high school level. She also filled her time with coaching both competitive cheerleading and girls' flag football. After being in the classroom for eight years and having two children of her own, she decided to speak on a message near and dear to her heart, which is how to motivate, support, and explore this world with our children, and having that commitment becoming our own form of parental personal development. All right, I'm here with Allison Ford and... We're going to talk about, like I said, something pretty interesting. I'm super excited about this. So, Allison, if you could, you know, share a bit about your story, what it is that you do, and then we'll just we'll get to it. So, my story is an interesting one. I was a young girl growing up in a home with a single mom, a family of six, and my father pretty much walked out of my family um, when I was like five or six years old. So... I was raised in survival mode. I was raised um, in, like in the projects, which most people would be calling it. So I was in an ecosystem that was very much about survival. You didn't have a lot of time for feelings and communication. And like, that's just what I grew up, even though I was incredibly sensitive, like this was the message I was getting, like that we don't have time for that. <laughs> so it, it harmed me a lot when I was young. It was something that created a bunch of trauma for me, but um you would never know it because I, I acted like I was really strong and I was an athlete and I was an academic and I overdid, you know, I over delivered on everything, everything but my sensitivity. So I really cast that side of me kind of to the side because the other stuff worked, right? Aggression does work. Um, strength does get you places. So eventually I, that didn't work. <laughs> when I had kids and got into an intimate space, I started really coming to some serious realizations that like, I can't live this way anymore, because it's not working. So my whole life kind of had to fall apart. To be honest, um, I was a real stubborn case. Um, my husband, and I had to break up for a year, I had to split time with my daughter, which was devastating. So I had to learn really the hard way. I was very, very stubborn. And finally, I got my act together. I went back home. I changed my life. I changed the way I lived and started stepping outside of my classroom because I was a high school teacher at the time. And I started investigating the things I had really wanted to be investigating, which was always been calling me, but I was just always really strong and had so many walls up um, to really explore that and to take that risk because I was very practical. So I started entering into classrooms and talking to kids about not just English because I was an AP English teacher. And I love literature and I love talking about that. I could talk about it for years, but I wanted to talk to kids about inner stuff, like what was really going on with them. 
why they were making some of the decisions they were making, why when someone's in a fight, we're pulling out our phone in two seconds to film it. And I mean, good kids. I mean, kids whose parents are around. Um, I don't just mean like the kids who are the usual suspects, but kids who are unusual suspects are part of this thing as well. And what does that mean for us? You know, what's that doing to that generation? And what do they think adults feel about them? You know, like these questions that I feel like as a teacher, I was so stifled. I couldn't, I couldn't really get in there and speak and, and be who I wanted to be and really dive into these things because I was afraid that, you know, somebody would say, oh, she's talking about this or, you know, so I, I would put it in literature context for them and I would start opening up the window for them and creativity, but it just never was really quite enough for me. So I started doing teen research and going into classrooms, not as a teacher, but as a speaker. And I started transitioning into being public speaker because I was already kind of doing that. But I want to talk about other stuff. And I learned everything. I mean, I just I learned how to be how to parent. I learned what kids really, really feel at their core. I learned that kids want solutions. I learned that kids are so lost when it comes to how to be mindful, how to do that inner work, how to rely on themselves, how to not fall into this expectation game that we all fall into, especially as moms, how to not be so competitive with other people, how to love themselves, how to set boundaries and standards like these things. Kids, I mean, when I would go into classrooms, it was like a foreign language to them, but then they would light up and they would go, oh, my God, I have a choice. Like I have a choice and it, and it, and it was just beautiful. And I learned just, I, I can't even like the value that they gave me and the way that they shape my content, even today, what I, what I speak on to moms and you know, what I, what I try to do for partnerships, because I just know the end result when things are not right has touched my life in a way that I, it's hard for me to really describe because it's just, it's, it's shaped everything that I do as a speaker, as a coach, as somebody comes in to motivate people, it's shaped everything for me. It's really cool that I had that resource kind of sitting there the whole time. And I, I knew it was there, like I felt it, but it wasn't until I, I finally took the chance on myself. And I would always tell my kids that in, in my class, when I taught literature, I would always say like, you know, the line that gives you the most problems the line that you're that you're struggling with that you're saying what does that mean that's too big i don't want to write about that i'm scared of writing about that in my paper because i'm not sure that's the line where the magic's at that's where it's at so you've got to go there and find the courage to go to that line and i would always tell my kids this i would always say that speak a little louder you know and it was just the advice that i needed and it, it was so funny how we like give that advice to those who we love. I was going to say, um, I love being a coach because it's, it's through our teaching and, and, and giving advice or support or guidance to others where it's like, whoa, <laughs> it's so impactful for ourselves. Everything that you're saying about those kids, I see in the women that I work with and in myself. So it really does show the importance of helping the younger generation take care of that stuff when they're young. So it's not manifesting when they're older, right? And then that yes. cycle continues and continues. And before we actually recorded, I said, you know, I feel that we need to take action on this now so we don't create another generation of assholes, <laughs> right? I cannot agree more. And really just unhealed people, because I think it's like, 
my main talk that I normally give my keynote is why strong girls finish last. And, you know, for me, it resonates because I made that choice to be, to be strong, you know, and to, to not honor who I was and really what I felt in my heart when I was six years old. And that decision followed my whole life up until I was almost like 30 after I already had my first child after it mirrored right in front of my face and I had to address it. So can I ask, what was that? Well, when I, so when I was six years old, I was, you know, my father had left my, my, my house was really kind of chaotic. It was a lot of energy for me. And I was really like itty bitty teeny. I mean, I was like physically small and I was really skinny and little and I was like a teeny tiny bitty girl. And I was, I was so sensitive that I just, I always felt like if I dared to say what I really thought, it would be an avalanche of like just tears and I like, and that's, and that's how big it felt inside of my little, little body. And so at six years old, like I knew I couldn't survive that. I was like, I keep, I'm going to die if I live this way. Like if I, if I don't decide to be strong, I'm, I'm going to die. Like something, like something inside me will die. I will die. You know, like I literally felt like physically and mentally something was going to give. And I was so scared of that. I was so terrified that I just said, okay, I'm just going to be like my mom. I'm going to be like her because she never cries. She never gets upset. She always pushes through. She's never complaining. She just does it. And I have to do that. I have to be that person or else I'm going to be swallowed in this world. And I had an inclination at six to know that and to sit into to make it a, an affirmation to say, I'm going to be this way. This is who I'm going to be now. Because I'm, I'm always crying. I'm always upset. I'm always like, I have this big lump in my throat all the time. I can't live this way. And it's so sad, you know, when I look back, that I had to do so much work back there. I had to really go and address that girl, which is what I talk about in my talk, is that I had to meet that girl. I had to go back and apologize to her and say, like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm so sorry I did that to you. And, like, I'm here now. I'm going to be here now. So you don't have to worry anymore we're going to be good now. And like, I'm here. And in my talk, it was, I, you know, I say, I learned to mother myself. Like, that's what I learned to do is to show up for myself as the best mom who just comes in and she's not mad. She's not pissed off that you made the choice. She's, she just, she sits with you and she feels your stuff with you. And like, that's the kind of mom I want to be to my own daughter now, because it's so funny because my daughter is just like me. She's little itty bitty, teeny girl. She's thin and small and, and petite. And she's sensitive wise. She's got big feelings and big, big things she wants to express. And now I can just foster that in her. I don't have to say, honey, you have to do it this way. You have to not feel that. You know, I can say that's, that makes you so beautiful that you, that you feel those things and never lose that. Always stay in touch with that. And I can teach her how to set boundaries too. Cause I know how to do that really well. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was going to say that is something also for me. I didn't, my mom was very, very strong and independent and I, my, she was a single mother as well. And there wasn't a lot of emotion. Um, I think that her generation and before that was taught to hold back and not show emotion and don't cry in front of your kids because you don't want them to see you upset. And I am now working on this myself because right. I also grew up. I became that strong 
you know, that strong woman and I am trying to figure all this out myself. So maybe I need to go back to that girl as well, <laughs> the younger me. So what tips do you have though? Because I, it, being emotional is so important. When does that strength need to come? Like for me, I use it when I, when I need it. So if I'm in my morning jog and I'm like slacking or, you know, I'm not pushing myself that, you know, I'm not finding that space. I let that girl come in who I know can kick some serious ass, you know, um, there are times where I do need her, you know, um, but she's just like not in the driver's seat anymore. Um, but I call upon her. She's invited to certain parties, as I like to say, but she's not invited into my intimate spaces. She can't handle them. She comes in with way too many expectations. She's way too demanding and she's not sensitive and empathetic. So I can't have her in those spaces. So now I've just learned to control all my little personalities, I guess. And I'm the head mom and I'm running it. And like, I'm the one who is, has discernment to say, you're here and you're here. And this is how we do things now. And it's worked nicely for me. It's allowed me to really not just get rid of certain things that have served me in certain ways, but to say, you know, you're just not suited for this spot, you know, for this space, because you just kind of can't handle that space. So she's going to come in and handle it. And then you can, and then you come in in that last mile of my run. Like I need you then. So for me, it's been a great, you know, differentiation of these, of these energies for me to say, um, and then I'm, I'm like the head mother in charge. So it's really put me in a position of power. It's put me in a position where I can keep the things because, you know, you don't want to give that up. There's a big part of you that's like, I don't want to give that up in me because then I'm just going to be a doormat. Yeah. And that's a big fear for a lot of, of women, I think. And you may well become a doormat if, if you do totally let go of that. So it's like, you know, you can have your boundaries. I have tons of boundaries. I have boundaries with the people who come into my family. And even if it's my own family, I have boundaries there and they're very clear. I have boundaries with my husband. You know, they're very clear of, of, of that I get my internal space and my internal time. And so does he. And so does my kids. We all get that space. So it's a very tribal like community that I try to have in my home where like everybody gets it. It's not just like that mom gets the whole weight of the world on her shoulders and everybody else, you know, um, follows suit with that. Like that's not going to work. And that won't work for me. And so I have no problem making that discernment in my house and to say, I'm valuable. I'm worth tending to myself. And we all need to understand that. And I want my daughter to grow up to be a woman who's able to do that. And I don't want her to step in motherhood and just let everybody take it from her. And that's what I always say in motherhood. Like we give it away. We just give it away because we think we have to. And then we have nothing. So it's a really bad trap that we get into. And thank goodness I had that kind of badass girl to be like, yo, you know, like get your stuff together. And then I have the other girl who's just, you know, as sensitive as can be. And, and can I can sit with my daughter, you know, instead of saying, oh, don't cry about that. I can say, you know, oh, I've been there. You know what? That happened to me, too. And I can sit with her in that and we can figure it out together. But the strong kind of girl, she doesn't have time for that kind of stuff. So I've got to tend to that, you know. And balance that out. And that to me is balance, you know, when you can kind of figure what who's suited for what job. And to me, like moms are so good at that. You know, they're so good at going in and, and compartmentalizing and figuring that stuff out that it's just a natural quality in us anyways. So it's like, I just wanted to tap into that and say, like, how can I use that in my house? How can I use that with my husband who gets to show up for him? You know, sometimes it's like sexy mom and, and I get to show up as that girl because that's good for him and he likes that. 
and sometimes I have to show up other ways, you know, so it's, I think it's all a balancing act and to just figure it out. But the good news is you live with your family or with them every day. So you can investigate all the time, you know, and women are very good at investigating too. So we're like, we're naturally suited for these jobs that we have, which is like really cool. Yeah. I love all of this. And thank you for giving the, the examples too, because that really, really helps. So you are working mainly with, you said tweens and teens. Yeah. So I, it's, it's funny because I speak to kind of, I speak to women and I do a lot of women empowerment stuff. That's why I would say like my main kind of, you know, stuff, but I'm influenced by hitting the streets and talking to teens and tweens. And I'll say, here's what I say to parents. Here's the advice I give to moms. Am I on the right track? And then they'll tell me kids are so honest where they'll say, you know what? Like if I want to know about social media, for instance, I'll go into a classroom and I'll ask kids, tell me. What's up? What's going on? So if I talk to moms, tell me what I need to tell them. Am I on the right track in saying that they need to do X, Y, and Z before you start getting onto a social space? And they'll go, yeah, no one ever did that for me. And, and I, then I got on and I started acting like a fool and I started dishonoring who I was. And girls will really start opening up and telling you this stuff because they make so many, you know, ill-informed decisions when they get onto spaces like that because it's just... It's so much. I think as parents, we forget how titillating it is to just have this play place. And when we don't know how to do it, you know, we're going to overdo. We're going to overshare. We're going to to look at that girl who's getting however many likes and say, well, maybe I could do that. You know, and we start trading in our values because we we want to be heard. We want purpose. And that's what every that's what everybody wants, really. But kids really want that. And they have that access, you know, when they go on social media. And I feel like as parents, a lot of parents who at least I speak with or if I go to schools and do like a like a PTA group or something, you know, they're so worried about it. Like if they're just they're they have so much anxiety, like, oh, I'm going to lose my kid at this age. And I'm so scared for it. And I'm just like, baby, like that energy is not helping the situation. That anxiety is it's just infusing that whole blister that that's like that's could be there right now. So we've got to tend to it and heal it and figure out the ways to build our children's foundation first. But if our foundation isn't strong as a mom and as women, it's very hard for us to teach something that we ourselves are not doing and that we ourselves have not invested in healing and that we're unaware that it's even unhealed. Like that's part of it, too. You know, so it's it's a whole like you got to backtrack, like what I always tell moms, like, you know, so I'm a yoga instructor, too. I kind of I do like a million things (laughs) like I teach yoga. And so, you know, like there's certain poses that are really difficult. So let's say there's like Mary Chasana or Mary Mary Chasana where it's like it's a, a bind, you know, where you're grabbing all around. I don't know how much you know about yoga if you do it. But there there are like if you can't do that, then you put your hands in front. Right. You work up to that. Because you're not just going to go into this like freaking pose and like pull your shoulder out. And some people try, but like, you know, it's discernment. It's saying, okay, I'm not there yet. So I'm just, I'm going to work. I'm going to backtrack the pose. So you don't go into it. You kind of backtrack where, where you want to be at and you start figuring out ways to build up to it. And for me, like if moms can just learn to do that a little bit to say, you know, I don't feel great about my body. So I got to backtrack there. 
I got to figure out like, why don't I feel great about my body? Where do I really want to be? And am I putting all my stuff on my kid making comments when I'm in the mirror and she's seeing that she's feeling that she's understanding, Oh, it's okay to do that. It's okay to do these things. Um, if my relationship isn't good and my guy's kind of walking all over me and maybe he doesn't mean to, but he doesn't help and he's not helping me clean and he's not chipping in with the kids and he's, and he's ignoring us when he gets home and he's going in his little cave. If he's doing all these things, then you got to backtrack there because you allowed that stuff to happen. And now you're telling your kids that's okay. This is okay. Dad comes home and he does this and it's okay. Even though it's not okay. And in our heads, we're, we're mentally roasting him every night, right? Because that's what we do. And then we call our friends and we roast them with our friends. And we're not backtracking. We're not saying, well, how did all this start? You know, where did it start where the boundary wasn't set? Where, you know, and it starts with the feedings. It starts with saying, you know, if he's not getting up with you and making that commitment with you, it's starting right there. If you move into a house and your husband isn't helping you organize the closets in your house and you're and mom's doing it and now mom knows where everything's at. So that's why they ask you where that shoe's at, because, you know, you got to look into these things like they set your house up. Yeah. <laughs> this is the it's the setup, oh, you know, so, so much. Boom. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, I hope that those of you listening are like, oh, yes, because. Seriously, awareness is the first thing. And instead of getting upset about, I mean, getting upset, I understand that. But instead of getting like defensive and getting into fights about this stuff, it is so true. Figure out why it's happening and right. and do something about it. Right? Yeah. Figure it out and, and do something about it because that, I mean, that's what's going to help and it's going to help our kids too. For sure. Because then they know that that's okay, that this is how, this is how things are. So they think that that's like normal now. So like my husband in my house, like, I'll be honest, like he helps me um, 50% or more, you know, in my house. He's, you know, I always say like my husband is a, is, is as good, if not a better mom than me. Yeah. And that's why I always smile yeah, because love that. He, kn- he knows how to do everything. I don't have to, I never worry ever. Really, and that's something that, you know, my husband and I didn't have everything perfectly set, but that's one area we had pretty good was how we were going to parent and whose responsibility was going to be what um, and how we felt about those things. And, and we got real clear about that before we had kids because we just, we felt inclined to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't mean to say every area was perfect because trust me, it wasn't. Um, we didn't have our communication in check for sure. We definitely needed some work in that area. But we did have responsibilities in check. So like that standard's really strong in my house. It's, it's set up really strong because we did that work. But in other areas, I had to backtrack. Like in communication, I had to way backtrack because that wasn't on point. So if, you know, it's like, look at your strengths in your house and decide how did you do that? Because, you know, maybe your strength was in parenting, like I'm saying. So how did you, how did you do that? One, you probably talked a lot about it. You sat and you had the freaking conversation about, here's how I feel. Here's how I was brought up. Here's what my beliefs. Here's how I feel about it emotionally. And like you invite him into that conversation. And for, for any woman that I work with, I always say like, when your husband steps in communication with you, I don't care if you've been pissed at him for five years because he never helped with the damn laundry. I don't know what the problem is, but 
When he steps in, one, you need to make that space as comforting as, as possible for him because men do not know how to play the roles in the sandbox with communication because they weren't doing it as baby girls like we were for however, umpteen years. So they really don't know the rules in all quite honesty. And when they're there, meet them with courteous, kind woman and hold your stuff as much as you can. Get as much out of the situation as you possibly can, because that's what you want. And then thank him. Thank him every time he shows up there with you. And that could be a verbal, hey, I really appreciate that. That could be a nice rub on the back. That could be intimacy after. That could be a week later cooking him his favorite dinner. Hey, you know what? When we talk like that, that gave me such value and clarity. And like, I just want to make something that would make you happy. And it can be small. It doesn't have to be you got to go buy him a new watch. But he might like that. Uh, maybe he likes gifts. I don't really know. But when they do step in, make it as accessible as possible, like you would make for your best friend to talk to you. And think, make sure you follow up because they'll keep stepping in if you do that. Yeah. They will keep showing up. Thank you so much. I needed to hear this. <laughs> I think I, I actually need to because I know I know that I, I, I need to be doing that more because my husband is the same. He is like on point. He helps me so much. I need to write it out and like put it somewhere that I'm going to see every day to do that. And like you said, even just the pat on the back or the saying thank you or the sexy selfie or something. <laughs> Something. That's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. good one. <laughs> uh, that's a whole other topic for me. Uh, <laughs> okay, cool. Is there, do you have any maybe some tips that you you could give the mamas on here listening for? Absolutely, yeah. I, I have tons of hacks and tips. I'm like, I'm full of those things. <laughs> um, so because I know we're getting into relationships, and relationships have so much to do with why your kids are the way that they are. By the way, so like your kids are are a product of your relationship energy. Period. And I know that's hard to come to grips with, especially if, if stuff's not right in your partnership. But I'm telling you, they are a product of that energy. So you definitely got to get that energy in check as much as you can, because that will produce better grounded children. But what can we do for the kids? So if your relationship's lacking, try to work on that area, really get that on point as much as you can. But what can you do in the meantime to really start ingraining some values in your kids? One, The first thing you want to do with kids is let them have a voice, figure out a way in your home to let them have a voice and you can do it. One thing that I do with my daughter because she's young is I let her have a voice through the Disney movies that she likes because kids watch this movie. I don't know, 500 times and you've probably seen the movie. You know, so I can I can go through a whole literary analysis on Frozen. And it's an amazing movie, by the way. Uh-huh. There's so much in there that kids can learn about um, love. They can learn about the idea of not following suit, right, of challenging of society's expectation of you. So you can use Disney movies to really engage in them. Ask them, you know, what did you think about when the bad guy did this? Like, you know, is he always being bad or... Do you think like maybe they just want you to think he was bad, you know, because kids are really they'll, they'll really open up and tell you. But the, the thing is, is when you get a show or something they're invested in, they feel confident because they know the character. They know what they're talking about. It's not an arbitrary conversation about two girls being in this quote unquote scenario, because that's a lot for them to wrap their head around in the first place. But if you get a common ground with them where they're 
you know, having a reference, then that's normally really good for them. If you have teenagers, get invested in a show that they like. Get invested in some music that they like. Get invested in something that they have a common ground so that they feel assertive and that you can start digging and investigating a little bit. Always look for ways to investigate your children. Another one is is when they're doing activities. So if your kid is in like a, like for instance, my son's in swimming class. I learn so much about him when I watch him in swim class. I learn that he's uh, he takes risks. I learn that he gets frustrated when um, somebody is telling him what to do versus um, engaging him in the moment and making it more playful for him. So he's not real cooperative in, in that community type setting. Whereas my daughter, because I've watched her, is the total opposite. She likes community. She doesn't mind direction. She actually kind of looks for it. She wants someone to kind of tell her X, Y, Z, and then she can execute. But that makes her comfortable to do those things. Whereas my son's very different. So that tells me a lot about my kids just watching them interact, especially in community settings. You can learn tons about your kids by being like a little troll and watching them and saying, okay, so my daughter, for instance, is somebody who likes to kind of not rock the boat. She likes things to be cool as a cucumber because she was like me, very sensitive. So she starts feeling that, you know, when things are, when she's in the spotlight or when she's having to speak or when she's having to do that, I can feel that being heavy on her. So for her, I've got to facilitate areas where she can find her confidence, things that she's good at. So I say, okay, why don't you take the lead here, Kennedy? Why don't you take the lead for mommy and daddy? And I want you to teach me this thing. Cause like, we don't know about it and you do. And that's in nature. She really likes like uh, lizards and she's got like salamanders and stuff. She's really into that. So if I give her that encouragement, she'll step up in that area because I know I need to build her voice a little bit because otherwise she'll go into spaces and she'll want to just fit in because for her, that's comfortable for her. Whereas my son, I'm not, I, I mean, he's only two, but at this point of observing him, I can say that he'll probably be assertive. He won't mind coming out and speaking and doing that. So I've got to make sure he understands boundaries and when to be assertive, when to speak out. And so he can be heard, especially if he has something of value to say. So it's like, we have all these opportunities to engage with our kids through these Disney movies that we watched 55 billion times, right? Through these activities like soccer and cheerleading and swimming and whatever else, even at a party, you know, you learn tons about your kids, but be invested in learning and investigating in that because you're going to see what your kids really need. And as a mom, instinctually, you're going to know what to do. You're going to start being creative about it and the juices will start flowing for you. Oh, she needs this. Like for my daughter, for instance, when she starts going into school and she starts getting into those teen and tween years, I don't want her to just fit in. I want to make sure that she understands that there are certain things people are going to want her to fit in with that are not going to be good, that are not going to honor who she is and what she really wants. And I need her to be able to to stand on her own two feet and express that. So I've got to really foster that in her. I've got to make sure that I'm doing my due diligence for her to have that voice. Whereas in my son, I may not need to do that. So, you know, the biggest thing you can do for your kids is investigate them. Put the phone down, put down, you know, what you have to do. Stop, drop, and connect is like my motto. You have to do this because you're going to wake up one day and not know your kid. And all the opportunities of how they were progressing and growing and exploring. Because when your kids are from, let's say, I would say like 18 months up until six, that's a huge arc for them. 
And they're doing tons of exploration work. They're doing tons of character work in that, those areas. They're building a lot. So you're going to see a lot from who they are in that space and in that time. And, you know, if you get invested in it, then you can learn tons about your kids and be so ahead of the game that it's crazy. For me, I, I want a child who is as aware as, as I am right now at, at 18. That's part of my goal is that I want my kids to be that aware, that grounded and that connected. And I have to work for that. So not only do I have to facilitate that happening and, and be present while that's happening, I've got to really be the testimony of that, right? So I've got to be invested in learning and growing and all this stuff in my own relationship to be fostering that energy. But at the same time, I got, I got to do the work too. And our kids are here. They're here. <laughs> like they're not going anywhere. So the thing is, you see them every day. You're around them every day. Take notice of that. What is the trigger for them? Why, why do they keep having this behavior every time this comes up for them? And it's usually the catalyst right before is what you want to look at. That's why they're doing it. It's that, it's that thing before. And as teachers, we're trained to do this in a classroom with classroom management for kids because it's never that I told Sally to write that essay. It's never that. You know, it's never that moment. It's normally the moment before that or that Sally always has to use the bathroom at this time, it's because I said this other thing that triggered her, that she doesn't want to do this thing, because this is what scares her. So we are trained to look at those things. And I just started looking at my kids that way, because it did everything for me in my classroom when I knew what was going on. And I could be as proactive as possible to say, if I give them this lesson, here's what they're going to complain about. They're going to complain about this, they're going to complain about this, and they're going to complain about this. And then their parents are going to complain about this. <laughs> so how can I head all of that off while I'm giving the lesson, while I'm you know, laying it out for them? How can I say, you know what, this part of the lesson, oh, it's so frustrating. And I know it because I went over and I was thinking about you and I was like, they're not going to be happy with this. So here's what I did. I made this little adjustment for you. We're going to do this, this little adjustment. And, um, you know, let me know. And if we have to readjust it, we'll do it again. But I involved them in that frustration. And I spoke on it. I didn't just like let it go. I was like, here's what's going to come up for you because I've, I've been doing this for a while and I know this is what's going to happen for you. So let's address it. Let's address the elephant in the room right now. And normally kids, they think it's so funny. They're shocked that somebody is actually talking to them about this, you know. And so just being proactive is huge. I mean, it's it is huge in your parenting game. So those are those are two quick things that you can do because you're already doing them. And then the other thing is that moms have the biggest thing with time. This is the biggest problem for moms. So what you want to start doing to connect with your kids, because you don't have to connect with the kids for two hours. They don't want to connect with you for that long anyways. As a rule of thumb in a classroom, we put it's uh, five minutes onto the age. So if a kid's 15, 20 minutes tops, they can hang with you. Okay. If a kid is, is the kid's five, they've got 10 minutes where they can really actually focus on what you're saying. If an adult is 40, then you can have actually a good 45 minutes with them during, you know, on stage. And this is a rule of thumb on stage as well, where, where you're keeping people's attention. So you want to add the five and understand that's all they can hang with you anyways. So how do you set the lesson in five? You know what you want to go in with. So if I know my daughter's struggling in this area, for instance, and I've seen it come up several times and I want to have a conversation with her about it, I want to engage her in it. I know what I'm going in for communication for. I'm not just going in and throwing it to the wind. Okay. Sometimes I have organic uh, communication and they're beautiful moments with my children, 
But there are a lot of times where I'm focused and I know what I want to speak about. I know the result I would like and I know the information I'm looking for. And then what I do if I don't have time, because I also am somebody who doesn't have tons of time either, I anchor my communication to habits I already have. So for instance, my daughter will brush her teeth with me like several nights uh, during the week. And that's our time because I got to brush my teeth every day, right? Maybe twice a day if, I, if I'm if I'm really on top of it and flossing. Yeah, yeah. But I'll invite her into that space opposed to being like, oh, this is my only sanctuary. Because if your stuff's right with your man, that shouldn't be your only sanctuary, by the way. But um, you go in and you invite them into the toothbrush session and you talk. You take the five minutes to say, hey, what do you think about this? Or what did you, you know, I noticed you were doing this or I was watching you the other day. And just engaging and see, and then give them the space to speak. And if they don't want to speak, then let that be okay. And then you re-engage another day. You just, you come back and you keep extending that hand to them and not demand that they meet you exactly where you want them to meet you the first time. If you drive home with your kid every day, don't listen to the music. Turn the music off. That's their time. It's a staple. It's a standard. It's for them to share or not share. And give your kid the permission to not share. Like my daughter can speak and say, you know what? I don't want to share right now. I'm, I'm thinking, my mind, I'm thinking. And she can literally say that at six years old and say, mommy, I'm thinking of some things in my mind right now. I just want to be calm and think about this because she's very in her mind. She's yeah. very internal. And then times she wants to share, she'll just, she'll just share out. And so there's no pressure there. If you're taking a shower each evening, which most people do, um, you can invite them into your the shower time. And I know, again, moms are like, that's my only time. But if that's your only time, then you got to get that in check with your partner because that shouldn't be your only time. Yeah. But I'll invite my daughter in um, to the shower. And what's really cool about that is, you know, like the, the curtains close so she can't see me. Right. And so she'll just sit on the bathroom floor and she'll do like, you know, stretches and weird stuff, you know, because like she sees me doing yoga. So she does that kind of stuff. But she can hear her voice echo, what she really loves. And that's actually projecting some things for her. It's making her feel a little more powerful to speak in that bathroom. And she can't see me. So she's not getting my verbal cues, my hands, my face. She's not getting any of that. So she's relying just on the auditory, which our kids are not getting enough these days, just auditory stimulation because they're because the way that they're marketed to, the way social works, everything is constant stimulation for them. So it's quite literally hard for them to really just focus on your voice because they're not consuming content that way. Anyways, we don't as adults hardly anymore anyhow. So it's a dying thing and it's, and it's a beautiful tool, the voice. It's amazing. But for a lot of people, they zone out there. They can't really do it. And we get pissed at kids because they can't listen to us, but we're not, we're not always practicing with them. We're not always just making them go off that, that verbal cue we engage with our kids a lot too. You know, um, the three tiers are the auditory, the visual, right? Seeing it and the kinesthetic, which is interacting, working with it, touching it, feeling it, um, feeling it emotionally as well, you know, having that impact. So we want to engage all three tiers with our kids for sure. So don't just talk about positive body image. Don't just project it and show it visually through your testimony, but also get them moving and get them engaged in their body and working in it and respecting it and understanding when it feels good or when it doesn't feel good, right? That's how you really internalize and teach kids because you've got to hit those three for them to really, to really understand it. And then the fourth step is for them to teach it. When you teach that the cognitive level goes up around like 92% of people internalizing stuff. 
So for my daughter, I'll do all this stuff with, with yoga and then I'll have her teach me too. I'll say, Hey, at the end of the week, you, I want you to teach me like a little, a little session, you know, so you only got to learn like three or four poses. And then I want you to teach me how to do this. And then it gives her an anchor, something to work towards, you know, so let them teach you stuff. And that's working on confidence too, when they do that. So it's, it's doing multifaceted things for you. And it's also anchoring them into an end goal because kids want to know what's going to happen with this. Um, when you're teaching, sorry, I'm, I'm throwing like 10 things at you at once. No, I love, <laughs> I love all of this. It's super interesting to me. I needed to hear this. So thank you for all of this information. I, again, I really needed, I needed this. So it's going to make me be more mindful of what I am doing with, with my kid, especially my son, because I am noticing things. He is teaching me a lot right now and I'm excited to actually do some of this stuff. So thanks. Good. Yeah. Thank you. So really quick, where can the ladies listening find you and just give some of your information? My site is allisonk4.com and um, they can find me like on Facebook. I'm, I have a motherhood MBA uh, group with Allison Ford on my site. That's my program that I'm running in July. It's called motherhood MBA. It's your master's in motherhood which is like how, where I get all this stuff from that I'm talking about. Um, and it's a six week program and every two weeks we shift, um, the focus. So the first two weeks are on you, all your stuff, all your healing, all the stuff you got to do to get right that we, that no one told you to get right before you had that kid. The second two weeks are with your partnership, how to communicate, how to get them on board, how to, talk to them, how to get them a more discipline, all the stuff that we, again, don't always look at and get into that scenario. And then it all goes to hell. And then the third, the last two weeks um, are on your kids and how to start really implementing all of that with them. Cause you got to build up to it. You know, you can't just come in and just say, okay, my kids are going to be great. You know, um, you gotta like, you have to do the work uh, to, to set those habits and standards in your house so that you know, there's follow through. Yeah. And then, and then it's like a finely tuned machine. It right. really is, but you just got to get the things in line and then, and then it's easy. I'm telling you it's easy. And, and your kids start showing up in ways that blow you away. I mean, the things that my daughter says now, it just, I'm like, Oh my God, it's, it's crazy. Like my, my daughter knows the difference between her, her, her soul and her brain. She'll tell me this, like, my soul is telling me to do this, but my brain is wanting to do this when I'm with my friends. I want to, my brain keeps telling me, make this decision. And my soul keeps saying, no, don't do that, Kennedy. And she's like telling me this stuff, like when she's going through conflict with her friends now. And I'm like, honey, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, that is super I, cool. I never knew that. I, I know. That is, that is really, <laughs> that is really cool. I'm going to share all the links in the show notes and everything. But again, thank you so much. I think that that is incredibly important. Everything that you are teaching, I might just have to do this class. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much again for joining. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me on. And sorry for the kiddos coming in for a minute. <laughs> oh, no worries. We're all moms. Thanks so much for listening. I hope that this was as interesting and informational for you as it was for me. I'm finding that with a four-year-old, I'm, I'm starting to notice all these really cool things about kids. And I, I just love what Allison shared with us today. Also, please do me a favor and take a moment and leave a review for this podcast. 
It tells you exactly how to in the show notes and on my site for this episode. And also share this. Share this with moms that need this or women that need this information that it could benefit them in some way in their lives. I would really appreciate it. I really want to be getting this message out to women and especially to mothers as I think it is so important. I believe in my heart and in my soul that it is so important. So please share this. And also, if you are not following me on Facebook, I'm over at facebook.com slash Tatiana Amico Health Coach. And I'm also on Instagram at Tatiana Amico. So you could follow me there for inspiration, tools, tips, getting the real deal of what's going on in my life. You'll get all of that over on social media. So check out those sites and I will talk to you soon.